0: This is Unfilter, episode 350.
1: Because I'm covered in his blood. Thank you very much.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a live Unfilter. Just sort of an impromptu thing. I got together with a few members in the Discord, and I wanted to pick up a few things in 350 that we didn't get to in 348, And 349 because of the impeachment. I thought there's probably plenty that we should talk about. Number one with a bullet as I record this right now has been the horrendous situation down in Texas. I don't normally cover weather events, but this one it hit home. Not only do I have friends and family and of course listeners of the show down there, but the numbers are staggering.
2: More than 150,000 still do not have power. The good news is that is down from the peak of over 4 million. But right now, a water shortage is forcing more than 13 million people to have to boil their water before they can use it. Marcus Moore is live in Houston with the very latest on this. Good morning, Marcus.
3: Cecilia, good morning. Another cold morning here in North Texas. The temperatures in the teens, the wind chill in the single digits, and federal aid in the form of food, also generators and fuel for hospitals has arrived as people at home face new struggles in the midst of this crisis.
0: I think one of the things that uh, has really stuck out to me about this story, well, actually, there's a few things, but... One of them is it really drives home that certain areas are not prepared for worst-case scenario weather, and when they're hit with it, the infrastructure really crumbles. But that obvious statement aside, what's really struck me is at the speed in which this story became a political fight outside of Texas. It became a right versus left. It became an opportunity to take shots at wind power. It became an opportunity to take shots at the governor. It became an opportunity to take shots at the Green New Deal. It became an opportunity for people to advocate for the Green New Deal. (laughs) In our typical split reality, this story became an A and B reality story. And in the meantime, people are suffering. And the extent of that and where the failures have been in regards to maintenance have not been the lead story.
3: This morning, the power is slowly turning back on in parts of Texas, but millions are facing yet another crisis. After extended mass power outages led to pipes bursting across the state, this morning, more than 13 million are being told to boil their water if they have not and with no water, around 75 firefighters in San Antonio left to battle this massive inferno well into Thursday night at this apartment complex in impossible conditions.
0: Our main concern is water supply. You know, the thing has really been about water, and of course, you know, some people have been able to take snow and boil it if they have a, a stove that's working. And the other thing that's the, the other thing that's really happened with this story is, um, in a, in for a lot of outlets, it's become about Ted Cruz. And he's clearly a distraction in all of this. I mean, he's a jackass. But, but that's not news. Also, he's probably pretty ineffectual in this situation. It's much more of a local issue than it is his problem. But yet, somehow, that's, that's taken a, a, a huge amount of the coverage. There's a, there's a news tracking website out there that, that follows this. And they have shown that most of the major networks, like ABCs who are playing right here, has ended up playing four times the amount about Ted Cruz than the actual disaster in Texas itself. So it's funny because the show's name is Unfiltered. but a lot of times what I do for you guys is I go get the relevant information in all of those hours of crap, and I play just that for you. It's kind of a flip on the name of the show, but in reality, that's how sometimes you need to get the information, is I watch this crap for you so you don't have to, and you just get the bits that matter
3: embers surrounding a firefighter as smoke billowed into the sky. Governor Abbott speaking out overnight. All of us agree on the necessity of action, not just the action taken to restore your power, but to
0: action to ensure that you never have to endure anything like this ever again.
3: Amid statewide damage and devastation, we are now learning it was almost much worse. ERCOT, the agency responsible for managing 90% of the state's electricity, revealing that the Texas grid was minutes away from catastrophic failure on Sunday. It was seconds and minutes, given the amount of generation
0: that was coming off the
3: system. While the state avoided the worst-case scenario, millions of Texans still struggling to keep their families safe, warm, and dry. This mother was forced to burn her toddler's toys to stay warm, while rationing oxygen tanks for her five-month-old son born with premature lungs. Hannah Griffin, who suffers from interstitial lung disease, needed to ration her oxygen supply for days.
1: My story did not end in tragedy,
4: but it could have.
3: As millions finally turned their lights back on, many confronting horrific damage.
0: You know, I, I don't say this with, uh, with like any kind of like judgment, but it 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 one watches this, uh, especially someone in my my situation where everything in my in my house is self-contained. My house brings its own water. It brings its own shitter. It brings its own battery power. It has solar. It generates its own power. Plus, I have a generator on board. And that seems like table stakes for a home. And when I go out into the woods and I'm completely disconnected, it's it's empowering to, to generate my my own electricity. And I, I think maybe I shared this story. I'm not sure on the show or not. But a couple of weeks ago, I do this all the time now. It's how I kind of reset. I was staying out in the woods off grid in my rig. And we were out for a drive, there's a, there's a, there, you know, there's a, there's a lot of nice backroads out there. And we were coming our way back towards this uh, spot in the woods we're parked and there was a tree down over the power lines. And I thought to myself, oh shit, power's out and it's cold, you know, it's really cold like crap. Oh, wait a minute. No, that's right. Everything is self-contained. We are generating our own power. I don't have to worry about that. And it. And I thought about that for a while, and I thought, you know, what really seems to be the problem here is how we've built this grid. We really did need a power source in every backyard where people can contribute to the overall grid, but they can also store their own power. What I do in my RV should really be done at a similar scale in homes. Generate a little bit of your own power, maybe enough where you could run for 24 hours if you had to. It just seems like such a, um, a better solution than this nationwide grid that's obviously not being run well and wasn't maintained properly. And even though was reporting that had been done that showed, yes, there isn't maintenance being done. It has to be done right away or there could be a big outage, even though there was kind of a, you know a warning of this, it still didn't get done. And I think long term, what we have to do is we have to enable homes to generate their own power, either via solar or some other method. And the grid is a supplementary power source. It's not. It's not the only power source. Maybe. It, maybe it equals two thirds of your, where your power comes from, but you have something that operates. You know your home lights. And while and while we're at it, if you'll just allow, maybe we consider wiring some aspects of the home with DC back to these battery banks, so the the power grid comes into an electrical system, much like how the Tesla smart walls work, and that system d- decides what comes from battery and inverter and what comes from the grid. And the, and the advantage here is if you knew a storm was coming, you could start pre-charging some of these systems to have additional capacity. And you could wire some of the things in the home, like LED lights throughout the house that were all DC. And they could run literally for days off of tiny batteries. They don't require much. These LED DC lights take just sip power. And they could be throughout the home, and so when people's power goes out, why not the water heater? Maybe the water heater should be powered by something that's more renewable, easier at least to to store in a battery. There's all these things we could be doing, and it it just completely is ignored. And I realize it's expensive, but you kind of have to just start doing it when you build the homes. It just needs to be how we build going forward. The cost of things like solar and lithium and the inverters to run it are coming within a podcaster's budget now. And if a podcaster can afford it, just about any home builder could afford it. Let's be real here. I'm not moneybags on this show, right? And I got some, something on my little humble RV and we can go for a, a week off grid. The only thing that really prevents us from going longer is our tanks. We just, you know, we we fill up the tanks or we run out of water. And I just I just think it'd be, it'd be so much more straightforward if if homes had a little bit more independence from the grid, if the grid wasn't the primary power source. And you look around in the United States with these old ancient power lines. I mean, have you ever looked at your car window when you're driving around and just actually look up at those power poles? Isn't it weird that we have these wires strung all across the state? And it has to have a continuous connection all the way back from the power plant to your door. Well, hopefully not your door. But you get what I'm saying. Like, it's it's clearly not scalable forever. It just, there's limitations of a system like that. And we got to start building for it. But no, instead of talking about those issues or talking about how people could help Texans, because that was, you know, I, w- I was, there's people listening to this show I was genuinely worried about. And I, I wish I wanted to get in my vehicle and just get the hell down there and help. But what, what, the, what could I do? There's, that's not being talked about. No, instead, we got to blame.
4: Uh, One of the things that's come under fire recently over the last several days is the renewable energy here in Texas, uh, particularly the one that's driven by the wind. Those massive turbines are out in West Texas. Uh, They did suffer some issues due to the cold. Those massive turbine blades had ice build up on them. And then because of incredibly cold temperatures, the batteries that store power there to be dispersed whenever we do have events like this actually drain faster than anticipated uh, because of the incredibly cold weather. Now. That having been said, that only makes up a small portion of the massive uh, sources of energy that Texas has at its disposal. Also with serious issues, we saw natural gas pipelines that froze up because they're being built without any insulation. And we saw a nuclear plant that provides energy uh, actually have to temporarily shut down due to a safeguard caused by the cold. So it depends on who you ask, but as it stands right now, uh, the equipment that provides so much of the power to so many Texans uh, was not properly winterized. And some people would point to the fact that uh, Texas had its power supply deregulated back in the 90s. And you would say critics say that because of these businesses were focusing on profits, uh, they were not necessarily concerned with maintenance and or winterizing the equipment to prepare for worst case scenarios like we're experiencing right now.
0: Now, that is there's, So there's an interesting conversation to be had there. Is this because it's privatized and and so on? And I, I don't think we're ready to have that conversation yet because I think a few things have to be accepted first. And I don't think we're ready to accept the things that they've gotten right. Sounds like they have a pretty diversified energy source. They have natural gas. They got nukes. And they have wind and probably some solar in there, but he didn't mention solar. That's, by my math, three different sources of power for a ginormous state that covers an incredible amount of territory. That's actually pretty sophisticated. That sounds a little more progressive than what a lot of states have. So how did that get like that? These are just things that I think should be part of the conversation when we start laying down the blame. Um, And, you know, you will have some outlets that are going to want to put the whole thing on wind power. You're going to have some outlets that want to put the whole thing on the on the on the nuke plant, uh, not having the right protections for uh, the cold or the or the the gas power lines. But I think at the end of the day, it's it's obvious when anything's this bad, it's multiple things failed. The government policy failed. The companies responsible for this failed at their maintenance and systems weren't tested properly. There's a lot of failures in there. So the show just, you know, we send out our good vibes to everybody in Texas and hope it warms your little hearts out there. really is it really is a damn shame texas is a great state i i had a lot of misconceptions about it before i ever went down there um you know texas i think that's actually another component of this is the coastal the coast the coast states where the news operates they love taking shots at texas they love embarrassing texas there's a they get off on that and so uh i you know when you when you when you are raised in that environment, which I was specifically up here in the Pacific Northwest, you can't help but like <laughs> Texas, <laughs> of course. You know, like like I have the same thing. I have the same kind of. I still hold that same sort of bias about Florida. <laughs> oh, Florida man! God, Florida is weird, right? Yeah, that kind of stuff. Well, when you go down there, you learn it's not really like that. You learn it's full of really nice people, hardworking, nice people. You learn some of it is a dust bowl, and some of it feels like some of the most progressive places in the nation. I mean, it's it's got beaches, it's got it's got a lot to it that we just don't really think about when we think of Texas. And so there is a um I suppose a stereotype is the way to put it. There's like a stereotype that uh, they like to play up when this kind of thing happens. But anyways, that's probably enough on the weather. Uh those are not usually the types of things I cover on this story except for the conversation and the breakdown around it, I think, is actually rather noteworthy. But there was um, a little bit of Biden action going on that I wanted to tell you about. President Biden had a town hall this Tuesday.
5: Joyce, his first official trip as president here in Wisconsin. This the first week post impeachment of former President Donald Trump. Or tonight, the Biden administration is looking to recapture the spotlight.
0: Stop talking about Trump, everybody. Hours before
5: his arrival along the bitterly cold streets of Milwaukee, signs of a presidential visit. Where inside, President Joe Biden will look to warm the cold reception as COVID relief packages received, at least from Republicans in Washington.
6: Most importantly, we're. I'm excited and proud of the bipartisan support that the American Rescue Plan has from the American public. CNN says the the audience inside the
5: Theater will consist of Democrats, Republicans, and independents.
0: Yeah, so I looked into it, all told. Five out of 12 audience questions came from the left, with five came from the neutral, and only two came from any far or anybody that considered themselves on the right at all. Of the 12 audience members, six were Democrats, four were labeled as independents, and two were independents but voted for Trump. So that was your Republicans. Two that they called themselves independents but voted for Trump. Uh, So, yeah, that's, yeah, real nice and bipartisan there. so easy to look into this stuff. I don't know why they even say that crap. But the thing started with, um, maybe you could call it a confession of sorts from our president.
7: And you know you enjoy being home with a baby more. I don't want to hear that. (laughs) I do, yes. He's nine and a half months, so I'm
0: very happy. No,
7: no. Everybody knows I like kids better than people.
0: I saw a picture
4: of you with your
7: grandma.
0: Now, what now? What now? Is he just telling a joke here? Everybody knows I like kids more than people.
7: And you know you enjoy being home with a baby more. And I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I do, yes. Yeah, he's nine and a half months, so I, I'm very I happy. It. No, no. Everybody knows I like kids better than people. I so saw a picture know. of you with your grandson recently. That's right. Yeah.
0: yeah, he was playing Mario Kart. And, of course, that was the news over the weekend. The Biden news consisted of early bedtimes and that he likes to light fires and that he played Mario Kart with his grandkid. And he played as Luigi and he won around. I can't I can't even put into words the difference in reporting between Biden and Trump. And when he says weird things like I like kids more than people, what does that mean? Is it a joke or does he not actually understand that kids are people, too? (laughs) And I, I can't I really don't know because he seems quite confused during this entire thing. At one point, he said that there was no vaccine when he came into office, even though he took the vaccine before Christmas.
7: And uh, the biggest thing, though, as you remember when you and I... Ta- no, I shouldn't say it that way as you remember, but...
0: No, Okay, also this part was strange. You remember, oh, 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 I shouldn't say that. Is that because they rehearsed this? Is this a rehearsed
7: question? What does he mean by that? And uh, the biggest thing, though, as you remember when you and I... Ta- no, I shouldn't say it that way as you remember, but when you and I talked last, we talked about... They rehearsed this.
0: That's what that is. And this he comes across this confused even after it's rehearsed.
7: And uh, the biggest thing, though, as you remember when you and I, t- no, I shouldn't say it that way, as you remember. But when you and I talked last, we talked about it's one thing that the vaccine, which we didn't have when we came into office, but a vaccinator. How do you get the vaccine in the.
4: Oh, my gosh, it's Anderson Cooper, everybody.
0: <laughs> there obviously was a vaccine and they were pe- they were vaccinators as well because he got a vaccine. I I just I'm not sure what he means by there was no vaccine when he came into office. And then he says the reason why people aren't successfully getting the vaccine now is they're too dumb to figure out how to get it. I mean, in not so many words, that's actually his answer.
7: Not everybody in the community in the Hispanic and the African-American community, particularly in uh, uh, rural areas that are distant and or inner city districts, know how to use Know how to get online to determine how to get in line for that COVID vaccination.
0: Now, I could buy that line in the 90s. I could buy that line in 2004. I could even buy that line in 2007. But everyone has a smartphone now. There's all kinds of plans. Even the crappiest, cheapest smartphone can Google search and find a Walgreens. It's a revolution. It has changed this nation and the world. It has made Apple one of the richest companies in the entire world in all of history. Everyone has an Internet connection and knows somebody that has an Internet connection. Doesn't mean they all know how to use it, granted. But to claim that the minorities are not getting vaccinated because they don't know how to use the confuser, well, it's racist. The reality is there's a trust issue. There is particularly a trust issue in minorities because of Past events that would give them completely justifiable reasons to be skeptical of anything that comes out of the federal government's mouth.
7: City districts know how to use, know how to get online to determine how to get in line for that COVID vaccination at the at the Walgreens or at at, at the particular store.
0: Now, Not if Donald anybody. Trump, oh, no, we don't need to hear it again. If Donald Trump had said something like that, that would have been all they needed for 48 hours of hysterics. Every word that man said was taken out of context and analyzed. And now we have completely mismatched statements that come from the president and the president's spokesperson. And again, there's just really nothing said about it. Here's an example right here for you. Before that town hall, The press secretary was asked about schools reopening and how the plan seems to be shifting for the Biden administration. This was her answer.
2: His goal that he set is to have the majority of schools, so more than 50 percent, open by day 100 uh, of his presidency. And that means uh, some teaching in classrooms. So at least one day a week, hopefully it's more.
0: Hopefully. So then Biden is asked about that later that evening or the next day, I can't remember, at the town hall. And Biden has a completely different
4: answer. The goal to open the majority of schools in your first 100 days, you're now saying that means those schools may only be open for at least one day a week. No,
7: that's not true. That's what was reported. Uh-huh. That's not true. It was a mistake in the communication. But what, I've, what I'm talking about is I said opening the majority of schools in K through 8th grade because they're the easiest to open. The majority of schools... Um, but it's
0: not clear. And then it kind of implies that it won't be until September until we really see things back to
7: normal for schools. Certain, But it is highly unlikely that by the beginning of next year's school, traditional school year in September, we are not significantly better off than we are today. But it matters. It matters whether you continue to wear that mask.
0: Yep, that'll do it. That's going to what determines if we can open back up in September. If you wear that mask and if we don't do it, it's because you didn't double mask. So, hmm. but the, the question around schooling reopening seems to be challenging. Uh, your buddy Cam Cam fumbled when asked about that recently as well.
6: The CDC, a few days ago, finally put out some long-awaited guidance on how schools could safely reopen. But here's the thing. They tied it directly to the rate of infection in any given community. And I'm going to put a map up, because if schools were to follow that right now, 90 percent of the counties, 90 percent of the schools would not be able to open under the CDC's own
0: well, this is a problem, isn't it? The CDC came out and said, if you're in these areas, you probably shouldn't reopen. And I've wondered, how does this science work exactly? I mean, I love it. So we all we all have gotten exposed to the science we like and the science we don't like. And I like the science that says that covid doesn't spread in the schools very much. I like that because that means my kids could go back to school if they although I actually think some of my kids have done better at home It in more It just kind of more recently. Thanks, of course, to the hard work of their mom and support from my wife, they've actually done really well in this last half of it. And I think, in some ways, my son is doing considerably better than he's going to do when he goes back. I'm not so sure. I think maybe for my daughters, it's I'm not sure. I, I think it's kind of mixed for them. But my point is, is I kind of like the science that says ah, kids don't spread it. I like that, you know. So I want to I want to hear that more. But of course, I have to keep, I have to stay, I have to remind myself. You have to take everything in, all of it, not just the data you like. But this is one of those stories that's tricky because the Biden administration is pushing hard to reopen schools. Even my uh, my state here is playing ball. My governor has been one of the most cautious, right along with the Oregon governor and the California governor. All three of them, they they banded together and they created this Northwest pack. Can't remember the name of it now. And they've been hyper cautious early on the lockdowns, aggressive on the lockdowns. Now they're all about opening back up all of a sudden. Real quick, like, too. Turned around real fast. And schools are a big part of their focus. I mean, my my, my youngest is back already. Uh, my middle kid goes back. I have three kids. My middle goes back soon. And then uh, my oldest is scheduled to go back pretty soon after that. It's all starting to happen now. I, and I, I wondered, like, how does this work now when we have the CDC coming out with this guidance that says, well, if you're in these areas that are red right on the map, which is like most of it, um, shouldn't actually reopen. I've thought... Why aren't, kids, why aren't kids spreading this? Because quite literally, for a lot of my adult life, at least the last 11 years, just about every sickness I have had, and I would actually dare to say all of them, with probably very, very, very few exception, all of the colds and flus that have come through my, ripped through my entire family, have all come from either early on daycare or later school. All of them. It's been horrible. It's been, it's been, I had, this is not, nobody told me this before I had kids. Hey, by the way, when they go to school, they're going to become disease factors for your whole family. And if you're self-employed and you particularly talk for a living, you're really going to get screwed over a lot. And I don't mean to be callous about it, but it has, it has been a nonstop issue because what happens is even as your kids get older, if you have a few of them, like I do, then the younger one goes in and then another younger one goes in and they go through the entire cycle every time. And it has been the vector for years now from the schools or from the daycares into my home. It has always been from the children. So how is it now that COVID doesn't spread via kids? How does that work? I'd love to know more on that. Now, the CDC is kind of implying that maybe there is something more to it here. But Kamala wants the Biden is, is on board with what the Biden administration wants, and that's get kids back in school so parents can get back to work.
6: Correctly to the rate of infection in any given community. And I'm going to put a map up because if schools were to follow that right now, 90 percent of the counties, 90 percent of the schools would not be able to open under the CDC's own metric. Was it a mistake for the CDC to connect school reopening to how much infection there is in a community?
8: Well, let's first say this, that in the last four weeks, schools are opening every week, more schools are opening. And it is because we are supplementing what needs to happen around the vaccinations, getting into to, to states, but also because folks are,
6: we're seeing progress. But what about that CDC guidance then? That's, that's the question.
8: Well, so here's the thing. What the CDC, what they have recommended are are exactly that, recommendations about how to reopen safely if they've been closed, how to stay open if they've been opened. And so the recommendations include what, again, needs to happen around social distancing, hand washing, mask wearing. But the point is that we all want our kids to get back to school as quickly as possible and as safely as possible.
6: The CDC has said it is not a prerequisite for teachers to be vaccinated for them to go back to school. But many teachers are wary of going back to school.
0: This is another tightrope that the Biden administration is walking, is they are trying to placate the teachers unions as much as they possibly can. They want to be the party of the unions, after all, and the party of teachers. And nobody ever looks good trashing teachers and trashing teachers unions So this is another tight line because the teachers have some stringent requirements. The teachers union's representatives are demanding that the teachers be moved to the front of the line for vaccinations if they're going to be going back to school, because they know what I just said. These little monsters are the vector in which everyone gets sick.
6: They know it. They know it. Can you reassure teachers who are listening right now that it is safe for them to go back to school, even if they are not vaccinated, if these public health measures like distancing and masks are being implemented?
8: So, first of all, let me just say this, and the president has said it, and we're all really clear. Teachers should be a priority. Teachers should be a priority. I believe that up 22 states, I believe, have
6: prioritized
8: but teachers in terms of but vaccinations. If they're not but the states have the
6: vaccinated, is it safe for them?
8: Well, I think that we have to decide if we can put in place safe measures. This is the why, and it's so important.
0: <laughs> she just can't answer the question. She just cannot answer the question. And the whole White House is mixed on this. Uh, So Cam's spokesman, uh, Samore Sanders, she also struggles, even with the basic easy questioning of CNN. It's
9: it's not a trick question, and I feel like you guys have treated it like a trick question. I think people just want to know what the White House position is on whether or not teachers have to be vaccinated for kids to return safely to school. The CDC director, Rochelle Walensky, says the science— is that teachers don't necessarily have to be vaccinated for kids to return. And I think people want to know what the White House position is on that.
0: And if this was the Trump administration, of course, it would be, are you anti-science?
5: The White House position is that uh, and the president and vice president believe that teachers should be prioritized for receiving the vaccination along with other frontline workers. And in at least 22 states in the District of Columbia, that's exactly what's happening.
0: Hey, can anybody name who Pence's uh, spokesperson was? Or how many times you saw Pence's spokesperson on TV? I think we're going to be seeing more from Simone Sanders here.
9: Prioritize is one thing, and I think there's wide agreement they should be prioritized. And why not? Is it necessary, though? That's the question. It
0: really is a yes, no question
5: well john i think the real question frankly if i can be <laughs> frank here
0: yeah she's gonna be frank and not answer the question
5: is what you're getting to is is it safe for kids to go back to school and the president it, the, and the, Vice actually
9: president, not in this case that's not the question the question is, is it safe for teachers to go back to school and that's and, that that's a very specific question in this case and again i'm not sure i don't understand why it's a hard question to answer It may be that you want every teacher to be vaccinated. It may be the answer is, yeah, teachers should, if they can, be vaccinated before they return to school, but it's not necessary.
5: Well, John, I think... The president has been clear. The vice president has been clear. And I think I was really clear just now that it is the administration's position. The president and vice president believe that teachers should be prioritized for vaccinations.
0: (laughs) I love that every now and then, every now and then, CNN will actually push a guest on an issue. uh, And they just they've been totally clear. Um, Should teachers go? Should teachers be vaccinated before they start? Look, look, I'm totally clear on this. They should be a priority. Yeah, I know. But for them to be safe and protected, do they need to get vaccinated first before they go in the classroom? You know, I don't know why you don't understand it. I've been clear about this. Teachers are a priority. Yeah, but that doesn't answer my question. <laughs> now, the other thing that's going on that we don't talk about much because uh, instead we can make fun of Ted Cruz. Uh, Kuman is in the hotspot. I've been wondering where this story was going to go. and. I think the way it's being reported on now is that this is a new this is a new controversy that's erupting, but it's been going on since the coronavirus was raging in New York. And that's this nursing home scandal. And I have not talked about it much on the show, if maybe it maybe once, if at all, because I just figured he was too liked. He was he was too beloved. He was the Democrats leadership hero during covid. I just didn't think this would go any further. But it's, it's actually beginning to bubble up to the mainstream.
1: In the U.S., nine New York State Assembly members are pushing for Governor Andrew Cuomo to be stripped of his emergency powers. as he faces allegations that he broke the law by concealing COVID deaths in nursing homes. The scandal erupted two weeks ago when the New York Attorney General accused the Cuomo administration of undercounting COVID deaths in nursing homes by 50%. The state health department then disclosed over 6,000 previously unreported victims.
0: Yeah, it exploded when he we actually got mainstream attention is probably the way to put it. But this is this, this was cute. This little trick that they pulled. Uh, you probably heard about this if you follow this at all is if they sent a nursing home patient to the hospital and they died at the hospital, they didn't count that death for the nursing
1: homes. Despite widespread criticism, Andrew Cuomo has stopped short of an apology.
7: Apologize. Look, I have said. (laughs) I
0: love it when they start with look. That's how you know you're not getting an apology or an answer.
1: Closed over 6,000 previously unreported victims. Despite widespread criticism, Andrew Cuomo has stopped short of an apology.
7: Apologize. Look, I have said repeatedly. We made a mistake when we didn't provide information. It allowed. Press, people, cynics, politicians. Yeah, it
0: wasn't that he he didn't take care of the nursing homes and he had people that were sick stay there. And then when people died, he didn't count it properly. It was conspiracy theorists.
7: To fill the void. I just want to make sure people know these are the facts. These are the facts. Uh, Everything that could have been done was done. That's the facts, guys. What's your problem?
1: It's also been reported that the FBI and federal prosecutors are investigating Cuomo's coronavirus task force with a particular focus on his administration's handling of nursing homes. We spoke to Vivian Zayas, who lost her mother to COVID in a New York care home and went on to set up the Voices for Seniors advocacy group.
0: What she goes on to say is that she didn't realize this was a statewide issue. She started dealing with it because her mom had died in a, in a local nursing home. And as she went through the legal process, she discovered this was a statewide issue. And uh, so it's kind of a confluence of events. It's her case. It's other public officials that are now talking about it. It has moved somewhat into the main dialogue. Kind of awkwardly, CNN now has banned uh, his brother from talking about it, even though during the height of the virus, he had his brother on, Kuman, had his brother on to talk about the size of his nose. But now he's forbidden from, from covering his brother. One of the other questions that comes into the show is, hey, Chris, do you think they're going to make vaccines mandated for travel or for getting work? And I'm still mulling that one around. You know, We saw a lot of talk about contract tracing built into our phones, and the only kind of contract tracing that really ended up being used at any wide scale was the old slow manual kind. So if you look at humanity's track record, they're pretty bad at implementing technology to really accomplish anything – other than spying on us, so, hmm.
9: With more Americans getting the COVID-19 vaccine every day, we'll soon reach a point where more of us will be going back to the office or place of work on a regular basis. So that's gotten some businesses thinking about whether they could actually require their employees to get the vaccine as part of coming back to work in order to keep their fellow employees as well as customers safe. So could your job make you get the shot? ABC's Andrew Dimpert has this story.
0: Uh, tell me if you would do it. In the Discord, if you're watching live right now, or if uh, you catch this afterwards, let me know. Would you Would you take the vaccine if your work required it? Does that cross a line for you? You know, it's uh, your body, your choice.
9: For the better part of a year, as the pandemic crescendoed to unthinkable heights, the nation's top health officials have long maintained it would take a vaccine to really turn the tide.
3: When your turn comes up, please get vaccinated both for your own safety, for that of your family.
0: And if you're thinking about this, you know, the question I ask you, be, be sincere. You're going to lose your job, your source of income, your stability, if you don't get the vaccine.
4: And that's for the American community in general. And as two vaccines
9: have arrived to the public since December, the CDC says more than 40 million Americans have rolled up their sleeves to get the shot. More vaccinated Americans may signal a return to the days of going back to the office in cubicles, to assembly lines and kitchens and bars. But what if that return was dictated by the vaccine? Put another way, can your boss force you to take it? Arguably, yes. Charles Craver is a law professor at George Washington University and says, while there are some exceptions, your employer can likely mandate all employees get the shot
7: employees who work for private employers are employed at will in the United States, which means I can terminate you for good cause, bad cause, or no cause at any time. Yeah, that's true here in Washington. So if you don't cooperate with me and you don't have a religious issue, you don't have a Disabilities Act issue, and you don't come under some state law, I can terminate you if you're not willing to have the vaccine or to... Come to work where you're getting tested. You better get that religion.
0: <laughs> uh, I, I tell you that. So the chat room says no for the most part. Um, uh, I I just don't know if I believe it because uh now is not a great time to be out of work, is it? Cause that's a it's it's a tricky one, and it's obvious, but it's it's the slippery slope argument here. If you do it for the COVID vaccine, then why not the next big thing that comes around? And if we're not really being honest with ourselves on the potential origins of this thing, and we're not fundamentally altering how this thing was able to spread, and we don't really even know why it's so predetermined and ready to just spread amongst humans, we don't have a clear picture of that. And without answers to those questions, it's just undoubtedly going to happen again. It's just the way it works. So I guess better get your better get your arm ready, because there's just going to be another one, unfortunately. I mean, we saw how this one took off. What stops it from happening again? And we really have we've really we've really pushed back on on actually investigating the origins of this thing. I've seen another couple of kooky origin theories pop up just this last week. I can't be bothered to cover them on the show because they come up all the time. There's no legitimate research that's been done. That WHO investigation that just wrapped up turns out the English bloke total conflict of interest. Completely, completely, in my view, completely disqualifies him from participating in that investigation. He has connections to labs that are doing the very kind of research that would result in COVID-19. It's unbelievable. He has financial ties and everything. It's unbelievable. And he's the expert that they sent. That's the guy. He's one of many. Anyways, you can find that. I just not I just can't even with that. I'm done talking about it. I'm sick and tired of it. I'm sick and tired of the anti-intellectual attitude around looking into the origins of this thing. It's the greatest mystery of probably the last decade, at least, and it's going to be in our books. This is going to be one of the great sick, hundred-year sicknesses, if if we're lucky. If we're lucky, it's going to be one. If not many, and if there are many, this is going to be one of the big first. And either way you dice it, you should want to know that every possible origin has been extensively investigated. The Chinese say it came from the U.S. military. All right, well, let's investigate that. I would like to investigate that lab that's really close to the wet market that has been researching coronaviruses. I think that'd be a good place, too. But that's just my per- you part. Know, where- I'm sure we could go look at some bats, too. Let's go look at some goddamn bats. You want to look at a bat? Go look at a bat. Let's research it. Let's find the top 100 possible origins and investigate all of them. We blow money on sillier things. Speaking of money, that is a very important component of the coronavirus. Coronavirus resulted, thanks to our brilliant leadership, in all of these ineffectual lockdowns that destroyed small business. And now that Treasury Secretary Yellen is in the hot seat, she's signaling we need stimulus and we need stimulus fast. I'm going to play this clip for you, but I'm going to have an ask of you. Listen to this with the proper context, with the right kind of lens. When the Treasury Secretary speaks, she has to speak in a language that won't frighten the market, which means she says the absolute minimum she can that she has to say. So if she's urging for something, she'll say, and if she urges for something like stimulus, and if she urges for it in sort of a way that implies it needs to happen very soon, it's a very deliberate choice of words. She doesn't want to cause panic, but she's trying to signal that urgent action needs to be taken. This is just how the Treasury Secretary speaks because their words are then interpreted by the market and can cause significant fluctuations in the economy. So you have to take that and use that lens or use that context, if you will, when you hear this clip. But first, we're going to start with what Yellen uh, told our Sarah Eisen on closing bell yesterday about the stimulus, about the risk of doing too much versus too little. Here's what she said yesterday on closing bell.
5: We're hoping to see progress over the next couple of weeks um, in enacting that package into law. Uh, President Biden has had uh, discussions. Uh, with uh, members of Congress on both sides of the aisle would ideally like to see a bipartisan support for a package that we think is really what we need to deal with the pandemic and to get beyond it, get our economy back on its feet and help all the people who've been so badly harmed um, by the pandemic and the economic havoc it's um, caused
0: a great interview with Sarah, David, just great. Patreon.com slash unfilter support this here show. I sure would appreciate it. it. gets, um, well, a lot of traction, a lot of distance. I was trying to think like your money goes a long way because it's not a huge group. The show's a big production and every single person that signs up can help. If you're listening to this on the live stream, then you know where this background music's from because we're pre, we're pre showing these days over at twitch.tv slash unfilter. I don't really have a set rhythm on shows, because a lot of times the news cycle drives the show. And so you kind of have to just either subscribe over at Twitch or be in the right now Discord room. So you get more show. And then what I'm doing, for those of you who can't make it, because let's be honest, it's all of you for the most part, if you look at the numbers, I'm archiving these shows at unfilter.tube in full video version. So if you want to see Yellen's smiling face, you can watch this episode as well as the overtime, which is which is a bit of t- which is a, not only a bit of additional content but it's my opportunity to play the video only clips cuz I don't want to muck up the audio show with video only stuff but if I got something that only really plays in video I'll put it in the overtime and you can get that it's broken out over at jupiter.or nope, nope unfiltered.tube it's also part of the live stream if you just watch the live stream video i know right it's a lot of choices but that's because i love you I just wanted to give you a big freaking video hug just go over there and get that video hug it's like the lights of the Capitol surrounding you with a big video hug so check that out over there at unfilter.tube this show past shows and future shows that are live streamed all are archived over there as well as that over time you know you want that alright thank you for your support too patreon.com slash unfilter and I'd love to get your emails too at unfilter.show slash contact let's get let's get going
7: Snitches get rewards. We want to thank you for turning folks in and making sure we are all
0: safe. No,
1: no, 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 no. No, no, Now, one thing I wanted
0: to talk about, we just really haven't gotten to it yet, is this phenomenon that's happening in D.C. It remains under complete and total lockdown. If you don't know what I'm talking about, let me go back one month in time for you or so. When 13 different states sent their national, their natch guard. The National Guard to D.C. This morning, the
7: nation's capital is a fortress. With just three days until inauguration, a rehearsal
4: set for today has been postponed. And some 20,000 National Guard troops are on patrol. You know, I don't think anybody has ever seen anything like this. Police are on
7: high alert, arresting Wesley Allen Beeler of Virginia at a checkpoint near the Capitol. Do you remember this story? With an unauthorized inauguration pass, a gun, and police say more than 500 rounds of ammunition.
0: Yeah, it turns out he's a contractor working for the government.
7: Beeler denies that, telling the Washington Post it was an honest mistake. Oh, of course. (laughs) Of course. And with D.C. locked down, security concerns are mounting at less fortified state capitals across the country. At least 13 states have deployed their National
0: Guards. Yeah, we were really worried, you know, a big insurrection was coming. Uh, of course, nothing happened during the inauguration. But uh, we thought it better better keep the troops there for a little bit longer. Better better push things out just to make sure we're safe. But of course, whenever you're deploying this many troops and. When they're not patrolling, they're training in riot control. They call it uh, reaction training, I think is what they call it. Reaction response training. You can find video of the D.C. troops training for riot control up on YouTube. And uh, you got to wonder, who's paying for all of this?
1: National Guard has been deployed in Washington, D.C. for nearly a month since the riot at the U.S. Capitol. Now the Pentagon estimates keeping them there cost $438 million, and that is just so far. Lucas Tomlinson is live at the Pentagon. So, Lucas, who all picks up the tab for this?
9: Well, Dana, that's a question the Pentagon is still trying to figure out. As you mentioned, the cost is staggering, $438 million. That's about the same as the U.S. Capitol Police spends on its force for the entire year. And that guard deployment, that's just for the last month. If the National Guard in D.C. was a police force, it would be roughly the 15th largest budget for any police force in the nation. Compare that to your home state, Dana. This guard deployment to D.C. costs more than the Denver Police Department spends over an entire year. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and now we're learning uh, that some of the states that sent troops kind of want them back, you know.
8: (laughs) Washington, D.C. has been under even heavier guard than normal since the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. And part of the extra security has been National Guard troops from Michigan. Well, now more than a month since the incident, it seems their stay in D.C. could be extended. Grant Herms is live with the latest, and Grant, not everyone agrees with keeping them
0: there. Now, we'll get to that. But Extended puts it vague, you know, Extended doesn't really give us an idea. It it appears we're going to go from they're there to protect us from the inauguration to they're going to be there at least until the fall.
4: Welcome back. Well, the National Guard stationed in Washington, D.C. at the Capitol might stay until at least get this the fall. Some lawmakers, including our next guest, want to know why their state's guard members are not returning home. Joining me now.
0: Why? Why? Why stay until the fall? There's really been there's been no violence since the six. Really, uh, they've been implications that they have they know of of some plans, but then when they make public statements, they say they know of no plans. But I tell you what this is is this is part of a bigger bigger thing that's happening. What we are seeing rolled out is the new domestic war on terror. The machine that was built after 9-11 is being turned inwards. And keeping them there is going to be part of justifying the legal frameworks that are going to make this machine possible. They will be used as an example of the need for this kind of legislation that's going to have to pass to to basically truly actuate the domestic war on terror. And the domestic war on terror isn't going to be just a right wing hunt. No, it's going to be anybody that's on the extreme ends of political discourse. And the good news is, is Tom Ridge, who was the first Bush Cheney Department of Homeland Security secretary, he's been encouraging this. He's been making appearances on different network televisions shows. Uh, He's the guy that created the the color code system, you know. That Bush would set when we were at Orange Alert. He's revised a new one now that we've actually adopted just recently. This is the beginning of the new domestic war on terror. It it was birthed on January 6th, and all the discussion, the hype about how supposedly five people died at the Capitol, and we know that number is exaggerated. It's really it's really that protester and the cop that died from injuries resulting from the riots. It's really two people. But we're saying it's five people. Why? Why is Nancy Pelosi now called for a 9-11 style commission to investigate what happened? That's going to be used to feed the legal narrative to build the different mechanisms they need legally to turn this thing on. And they're staying there because once this thing goes on, this is going to become permanent. What's happened here? is the post-January 6 Democratic Party is looking an awful lot like the post-9-11 GOP. The Democrats are responding disproportionately, just like the Republicans did after 9-11. And just like Bush went after Iraq for supposed weapons of mass destruction, the left is going to go after any extremism. Anybody who's spreading disinformation, you're on their list. Because it's dangerous. Information is dangerous. And that's why the National Guard is staying there. To prove a point, as we've seen in these hearings, they will use selective reporting to justify why they had to stay and to build the case for it. And this 9-11-style commission will find exactly what they need to do it. And you'll have individuals like Tom Ridge advocating that the DHS's primary focus should become domestic. And he'll be he'll be heralded as one of the original fighters of terrorism, recognizing a new threat internally. It's already happening, everyone. And that's why we're dumping money to make these poor individuals sit out in the cold in D.C. for a political strategy that will be turned against their own people. And you can just see it all going down. I'm not the only one who's noticed this, of course. Glenn Greenwald has been talking about this, but nobody gives him a platform anymore to discuss it we're going to need a new Patriot Act, the domestic edition, to pull it all off, to really kind of put a bow on this son of a bitch. Get us a a nice new domestic terrorism Patriot Act to really kind of seal it and deal it. And then any unmoderated platform will be labeled as dangerous. Anybody on the fringes will be labeled as an extremist. And it'll be up to the Ministry of Truth to tell us what's really going on. And you'll have the FBI and other aspects of our security apparatus inciting different groups to justify all of this along the way. You, you probably think, "Jeez, Chris, you sound kind of confident about something that hasn't happened yet. Uh, we watched the playbook. We watched the playbook be developed over the Bush-Obama years. Um, you could probably even find audio of me saying eventually this machine's going to be turned around on us. And that's exactly what's happening. In previous episodes, I've linked to legislation that's already been drafted. I talked about it a little bit. There's already bills. They're already just waiting. You might also look up who was one of the principal authors of the Patriot Act. You might be su- you might be surprised to find a familiar name on there. Your president Joe Biden. So, I think we kind of know where he stands with this kind of thing. It's it's uh it's a horrible situation. So I want to end it on a on a positive note for you because uh, you know, I feel like i can't leave you with that so let's have a little fun because with the bad comes the good and uh that'll conclude our sort of odds and sods edition of the Unfiltered show
2: good evening everyone thank you for joining us um i often note i'm going to circle back i hate to disappoint conservative twitter but i'm going to circle back on a number of things as we often do directly i'll circle back circle back i hate to This is such a good question. I have not had the opportunity to dig into that. I'll circle back. It was a massive dump to this day. Everyone's trying to figure out where did it come from? I'm not aware of anything, but uh, we'll circle back. As a mom myself, I want to know all the details. I have to circle back. Come on, man. You know what I mean? I will venture to get you an answer on that, and maybe we can talk about it, and you'll circle back. I will have to circle back on that one back, back. But uh, we'll we'll circle back, circle back, back. But I will have to circle back with you back, Let me back. give you a very specific example Yay! I'll circle back, circle back I hate to disappoint you Circle back, circle back To circle back. This president knew back in January. Why did he tell us? Why did he warn There are us? a number of ways to combat misinformation. One of them is circle back.
5: You told us that Trump was invincible that Hillary was in a prison, right? I don't really have
2: any predictions for you on that. I can circle back.
5: <laughs>
2: um, let me see if I can get more detail for you on that. Circle back. I signed something saying that if I'm wrong, I can go to prison. Did you? We'll try to get to as many questions as possible. I'll circle back. Uh, I don't have anything more for you. We'll turn, go back, go back. And that communication has been lacking. Turn, go back, go back, go back. Well, uh, as, as you know, we'll turn, go back, go back. let me give you a very specific example. I'll circle back, circle back. I hate to disappoint you. Circle back, circle back. That's an excellent question. Circle back, circle back. I hate to disappoint you, but we will venture to circle back.